Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. American Glutton Podcast has a Patreon. Do you hate commercials? Well, we've got a Patreon. Do you want bonus episodes? That's on the Patreon. Do you want to hang out and chat in our Discord channel? That's part of the Patreon, too. We even have an option where you can leave me voicemails. All on the Patreon. So check it out today. Patreon.com slash American Glutton. We have a Patreon. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. American Glutton is brought to you by Trifecta. I used to sit and weigh and measure everything out, and I don't do that anymore. You know why I don't do that anymore? Because Trifecta does it for me. All my long, arduous Sunday spent on meal prep, I don't do that anymore because I get a big box of portioned cooked food every week from them and I don't have to get overly thoughtful about it. They have taken all that energy and done it for me. Thanks, Trifecta. Today on American Glutton, I'm talking to Daryl Edwards. He is the author of the best-selling book, Animal Moves. You can find him on Instagram, at Fitness Explorer, or on his website, primalplay.com. Daryl Edwards, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. Glad to be here. I'm really, I'm really interested in animal moves and your whole, your whole theory and practice in general. I, I went from being very sedentary for most of my life, in fact, making all calculations for my life about conservation of energy because I was very overweight and any kind of movement was a huge struggle 
Mm. When I finally lost the weight, I still had that kind of mindset. So I would find myself trying to utterly conserve energy and move as little as possible. So I have to fight against that in the same way that I have to fight against my what what I want to eat, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I'm just I'm just totally fascinated by your whole ideas like like what are your thoughts on this on movement yeah so i mean the first thing i I really want to comment on is your point around the conservation of energy Uh, and we know much of the messaging around weight loss tends to be eat less move more and the biggest problem with that is not so much the the debates around how effective exercise can or can't be for weight loss or body composition. The real issue is it ignores our biology in the sense that we evolved, we're here, and part of the reason we're here is because we seek out convenience. Right. And we make decisions based on what we need to do to survive. So, if we don't need to be active, i.e. I don't need to go out and hunt and gather food, I'm very happy in my cave, you know, not doing very much because I don't need to expend energy. I'm making a better decision by conserving energy. And so in the 21st century, where food is obviously far more convenient, where we have many more options in terms of locomotion and labor-saving devices, even though our biology is telling us conserve energy, um, access food when it's available, move less because we don't have to, I can get something to do this for me. That's why many of us have a problem. Uh, um, and it isn't just down to to, to willpower alone. Um, if, if it was, many of us would be successful in terms of managing our body composition. That fight you described is the fight of our DNA it's a fight of ourselves telling us, relax. Yeah. You know, you don't have to move right now. Why are you making this decision to move arbitrarily? Even exercise, you know, our exercise is an arbitrary decision in order to get more physical activity in, right? I have to say to my, you know, my brain has to say, hey, uh, do you want to do some movement now? Mm, not really. Well, you should do because it's good for you. <laughs> so let's do some movement. And when we do this movement, Let's do it in a very structured, organized way. And we use this term exercise. And in doing so, we'll achieve our objectives. So in my case, I want to lose weight. I want to improve my body composition. Let me do this thing called exercise. So imagine your body's screaming at you every single second of that block of time that you're exercising, saying, you don't really need to be doing this. It's uncomfortable. Why are you expending calories unnecessarily? Do you really know where your next meal is coming from? We don't know. You may do, but we don't. So so that's why our bodies feel so good when we're sedentary, when we're comfortable. And even though we know that there are the benefits of exercise, even though we know we feel better post-exercise, getting to the starting line is really, really difficult. And and in terms of myself, I used to believe it was all about individual responsibility, personal responsibility. It's easy to make the right decision if you're just dedicated enough, if you're disciplined enough. But I now understand it isn't just about discipline. 
because even when I was the most dedicated to improving my health and transforming my health, I still found it difficult <laughs> getting out of my chair. You know, I was got a gym membership, started a, the diet that was working well for me, religiously in the gym, five, six days a week, doing the work, feeling great about it. But on the Monday, I was always like, do I really want to go to the gym today? Um, right. I have to I have to have this conversation with myself and go, of course you have to, Daryl, because that's the right thing to do. But it it was never, I can't wait to hit the gym today. Every single day, every single session. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? There, there wasn't it wasn't joyful. And I suppose coming back to the original question of my approach to movement, I wanted to stop feeling dread yeah. when it came to embarking on a movement practice. I wanted to feel that, that movement or exercise was less of a chore. I wanted to experience some fun, some enjoyment. I wanted some passion. And the only people that I saw passionate about exercise were either professional athletes, you know, those who have addictive personalities, you know, like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it done. Nothing's going to stand in my way. Highly competitive those type of individuals. But um, for me, it was more about, oh, I'm going to have to embrace discomfort for yeah. the next 45 <laughs> minutes to an hour. And I'm going to give it all I can. But that can, for me, that could only work for a short period of time. Well, so, it, it, so when I, yeah, yeah, I want, I want to acknowledge your point and, 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 say i i 100% experience everything you're talking about i expected through weight loss to achieve a state of normalcy what i deem normal i feel like it's like a mean thing to pin this moniker of normalcy on people like to yes. to say you're normal and nobody really feels normal but like what i perceived as normal i expected to achieve that you know like uh, Bodhi sitting under the tree has achieved enlightenment. I expected mm. to achieve normalcy through diet never happened, no matter how many mm. times I lost weight in whatever manner I lost weight. So for me, diet was the day that I realized, oh, this is going to be a lifelong pursuit or I'm going to keep failing. And that's fine, too, because I, I keep failing. I keep gaining yes. weight back and then I keep getting on diet. So I either go like I'm just going to expect that because I, I, I seem to find myself there without expecting it every time. Or mm. I'm going to decide that I'll never achieve that, quote unquote, normalcy. And it will always be work in the same way. I go to the gym six days a week and I always walk out of the gym feeling dramatically better and yes. it's almost always a struggle for me to go into the gym i wake up i wake up i open my eyes in the morning and i go like i don't want to get out of bed nothing about and and it's it's a battle to get myself to the gym and i expected like no but i feel good leaving why is that not yes. enough it's just not yes. enough it's not enough yeah and and i'm sure this resonates with the audience because because i too feel exactly the same way. If you, if you look at my social media or if people meet me for the first time, one of the questions they'll ask is, oh, Daryl, you, you're just moving all the time. You just, I, I wish I could be like you. You just love exercise and you just, and I'm like, you, you do not understand. <laughs> I, if, if there was a sedentary anonymous, <laughs> right, I would be a member. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, 
I'm addicted to sitting down, lying down, chilling out, not doing very much. Yeah. You know I mean, whether it's listening to music, playing my Xbox, like I, I, I could do that pretty much forever and not really complain about it. Like, yeah, yeah this, is, this is life. This is great. You know, no worries, no concerns. Let me just get another, just a few more points on this game, right? But I recognize, of course, sedentary behavior is one of the most harmful lifestyle choices that I can, that anyone can make, yeah. not just myself, right? We, it increases the risk of diabetes, de dementia, you know, all whole host of conditions. It's impactful to our mental, mental health. It accelerates the aging process. So th there are so many reasons as to why moving is good for us. But as you said, the challenge is a starting point. What I would say is, again, our biology helps in the sense that the end of activity, the feel-good hormones that are activated, serotonin, endorphins, dopamine, the natural dopamine hit you get, those are all signals telling our bodies, telling our mind, it's okay. And this is something you want to do again, yeah. right? Because you want this feeling again. So many of us will leave the gym going, yes, I feel great. Why did I have so much difficulty entering the gym? I can't wait to do this again, right? We have that. And many of us are able to repeat that cycle and that process. But when things go wrong, i.e. we go, Mm, you know what? I'm going to decide not to do this today. I, I believe I have a, one solution to this problem. And that is, if you can bring the feeling that you have at the end of your workout to the beginning of your workout, you're more likely to want to do it. Right. So, so analogous to me is if I go out, you know, I'm celebration, you know, family celebration and there's music on that I love, right? And I'm dancing for an hour. I'm like, yeah, I'm just, oh my gosh, where's this energy coming from? I'm like shattered. I can't, you know, but you just keep going. You keep going. I'm just playing, they're playing my tunes, tune, tune, tune again, again, and again. I realize that I don't feel great at the end. I, I feel great immediately. Right. And that continues all the way throughout. And I stop usually because I really am, there's nothing left. Right? Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm too tired. I'm like, I just can't continue moving or it's the end of the party. Right. And then not only am I, have I felt great throughout and I feel great at the end. And I'm also thinking, oh, I would love to do that again. But I, I realized the joy of embarking on that movement practice right from the first second and that continuing and me not thinking about sets or reps or total cardiovascular time or how intense this is or my heart rate monitoring just that process of enjoyment helps me to sustain that helps to maintain that act and and makes you want to do it again so so now i don't have any issues putting music on and not and and whereas before i'd probably just be put some music on and i'd be nostalgic Oh, do you remember this band? Do you remember this song? Do you remember oh what it was like when I was going to the clubs? Wasn't that great back in the day? Now I can go, what am I talking about? Put the song on now. 
you know, no one's around. You can do, you can dance, you can have fun. You can, you're not exercising, you're moving and you're moving in a way that the body enjoys. So the runner's high, for example, you know, endorphins, right? So endorphins are a natural pain reliever. It's like an analgesic. And so when endorphins are released, they not only dampen pain down in the body, but they also do the same for the brain. Yeah. So the brain, there's a kind of state of euphoria. Our brain goes, wow, what a fantastic experience. Our bodies go, not so sore. That's not what we what we're focusing on. Feeling we're feeling good about what we've just done, about this level of exertion. Right. So so that's what the endorphins the endorphins do for us. But the runner's high, which is what it's termed as, it's at the end of the running process. <laughs> I mean, you run your 10K, you run your half marathon, you run your marathon, and then you're like, yeah, wasn't that fantastic? But you've had to endure two, three, however many hours of significant discomfort to get that glory at the end. And I'm and for me, it just doesn't make sense. It's 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 irrational. And it's that sort of irrationality that only a child would understand. Right. So if you said to a child, hey, you know, let's just do something for the next two hours, three hours, and then right at the end, it's gonna feel really great. <laughs> Most kids would be like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Right. Do I have to do this? Mum or dad? No, you don't have to do it. Okay, in that case, I'm not going to do it. Well, it's a version of the marshmallow experiment. <laughs> Are you familiar with the marshmallow experiment? I am. Yes, yeah, it's, it's yes. like that. And and you think about that, and that's what I would say. Like for me, per, looking at that, I look at the the kids who who wait are the normal kids. But but the reality is they're a, a far smaller group than the yes. kids who can't wait. And yes. I couldn't wait. So in fact, yes. we're normal. We're normal. Yeah. yeah. With that with that experiment, those kids, the minority of kids who can wait the minute or two, you know, they're looking at the marshmallow, they're looking at the waiting to see if somebody's going to count, you know, those kids are not, I wouldn't say they're normal. No, I think those they're sociopaths, kids, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. They're conditioned. They're socially conditioned. They're conforming to adult norms. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas for most children, they want instant gratification. Right. It's like it's there. It's right in front of me. Why can't I? Why <laughs> can't I eat that? Why can't I enjoy that marshmallow? Why wait five minutes? Yeah. Who, what's that? What's that about? So so, of course, children have to learn. You know, that sometimes you have to rely on hard work. You've got to you've got to put some work in. You've got to study for exams. Not everything. Thing is inst is instantaneous, right? That's the process of growing up and becoming an adult. But it's not a binary choice. And I think, unfortunately, for many adults and their experience of exercise, we as we age, so for kids, their exercise is play, right? It's about having fun. You're outside with your friends, playing all, getting up to all sorts of mischief. Um, especially back when I was a kid, right? Not so much the similar now, but for my childhood, playtime was the most active time of my, well, pretty much my entire life to be fair, but the most activity I got in my day was playing. Yeah, It wasn't physical education at school. It wasn't playing sports. It was everything but 
those two activities. As an adult, adult, everything becomes physical education or exercise, maybe playing sports if I'm if I'm keen on on doing so. But the joy of movement has been kind of kind of like sucked out of us. You know, it's been it's been suppressed out of us. And my journey started off trying to fall in love with exercise in my early 30s. So my 20s, I, I read all the magazines, I watched the movies, I was, I, you know, wanted to have a bodybuilder physique. That was never going to happen. Uh, but but that's what I wanted. So I'd go to, the, I'd join the gym, I'd go to the gym, I'd try all the different workouts, get a six pack in, in four weeks, blah, 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 eat this diet, it's going to happen. Of course, didn't happen. Or, or sometimes, you know, it would happen for maybe half a second. But but it wasn't sustainable. I couldn't maintain it. It was just hard work. I felt I didn't have the discipline. In my 30s, when I started encountering health issues, and I realized <clears throat> movement is now essential. It's not about, about aesthetics. It's about me sorting out my health and me dealing with prediabetes and high blood pressure and high risk of, of a heart disease or a stroke, I was like, I need to, to get some exercise in. So I went back to the gym. I realized I was more keen on following a program because I, I noticed that the out, outcome was going to be better health. So as I was enthusiastic. I was like an evangelist telling people, yes, I'm in the gym. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I schedule it in every day. I'm like, it's important to me. You, you need to be doing the same thing. But I hit a brick wall. And it was incredible. The, I hit the brick wall when I was probably at the at the peak of my physical fitness, when I was enjoying it the most, when I was I felt great about being ultra competitive about what I was doing. And then I hit a brick wall. And that brick wall was just, oh, I'm just not enjoying this. <laughs> I'm looking at the I'm looking at my watch all of the time. I start the session and I'm like, oh, I've got an hour to go, you know, just gotta get through this. I've got to get through this. And I had a eureka moment. And that eureka moment was, when was the last time you enjoyed movement? Like really enjoyed it. Wasn't watching the clock. When hours felt like minutes, you know, or minutes felt like hours. Yeah. And in a good way, right? And it was like, it was when I was a kid. It was when I was playing. It was right. when I was playing outside. And I was like, how could I recapture this as an adult? What can I do to not become a child again, but to sort of embrace my inner child? And, and that's how Primal Play began. It, it, it was having that, having that thought, making that decision of prioritizing play. And it was a very difficult transition. It wasn't an overnight change. It took a lot for me to go from, it's all sets and reps. It's all hard work, dropping dumbbells on the floor, you know, like... <laughs> you know, doing box jumps and all the things I was doing back then. It was like, how can I embrace play? How can I spend more time, out, more time outdoors? Um, how do I find other people who may want to do this with me? You know what I mean? I don't be playing by myself. Like I, you know, so that took a, a few years for, for me to establish that state of mind for myself and to make decisions around, okay, I want to play, I want to have fun, but I want it to be meaningful because I do want to have all of those health benefits. You know, I do want to maintain and build strength. I do want to improve cardiovascular fitness. 
I do want to maintain good mental health. I do want to build bone density. I want to maintain lean body mass. I, you know, so there were all these kind of adult requirements, but I wanted my childlike self to, to be able to access all of those. Yeah. So I realized the science was just as important as the experience. I mean, that, that, that's amazing. So my mind automatically goes to, because I I'm now at the point where I'm like doing cardio every day and totally looking down at the clock and disappointed every time I look and just like, Oh God, it's going so slowly. And then I have my workouts, which are based more on workload than time. So I have a certain amount I have to get done and, and Honestly, it's it's kind of the bare minimum that I feel I have to do just to maintain muscle mass, right? So I'm not mm. I'm not trying to put on muscle. I just want to be able to have the muscle as basically, you know, a carbohydrate yes. sink. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. And and just you know, at all the stuff I've looked at, it, it looks like the more muscle mass we can carry into older age, the the better off we are, the more longevity we have. But sure. it is work it isn't there's no sense of me that looks forward to this in the morning and and yet i feel great afterwards every time yes when you're talking about making it um fun see because my mind automatically goes to how do you know you're getting everything done if it's just fun you know what i mean like yes if if you said just have fun in the gym i don't i don't know that i'm for sure getting all my work done Yes, I, I, and it, that's a dilemma for sure, because if I just think fun, if I, if I just think, hey, somebody's saying, hey, just play more, what I imagine are people kind of blowing up balloons and popping them, rolling down the hill, kind of like jumping around laughing. That's the image that comes to my mind. Yeah. Right? And I'm sure lots of people have, have their own versions of like, hey, just go out and play. <laughs> You know, it's like laughter, yoga, and you know, there's all these things where it's just about having fun. But the downside is you're not achieving the benefits of improving my cardiovascular fitness, where you have to work usually 65 to 85% minimum, and you're going to have to spend some time, if you really want to push, over 85% to, to really maximize the benefit, right? To improve your cardiovascular conditioning, to increase your lung function, to improve your body's ability to process oxygen, right? So me rolling down the hill, me blowing balloons, laughing, not really going to help in that, in that respect, right? Um, maintaining muscle mass or building muscle mass. You have to work the major muscle groups. You, you can do body weight, but you have to make sure the resistance is enough work to be able to, to give your body the signals, your muscles, the signals that I need to get stronger. Right. I need to get bigger. I need to get stronger tendons and ligaments to support this. I need to have enough weight bearing activity to, to strengthen my musculoskeletal system, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So that work has to happen. And that's why we have workouts. Right. So with primal play, there are three pillars to primal play. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So one part of, of Primal Play is the play psychology which is about the experience, which is about the fun, which is about the joy, which is about, you know, feeling great about what you're doing, uh, it being sustainable, you wanting to do it forever, right? Um, you wanting to go back and repeat it again and again and again. That's a play psychology and having strategies to, to, to make informed decisions around how I can have fun with movement. But the other two pillars, one is evolutionary biology and one is exercise science so the evolutionary biology kind of tells us what our primal beings are how we should be moving what sort of movement patterns we should be doing which model what humans have always done so when when humans were here homo sapiens were first here what sort of movements did they do to maintain their life on the planet basically right building walking, running, lifting, carrying, jumping, crawling. There were all these movement patterns that they engaged in. But again, if you think about that, it's still kind of work, right? It's it's challenging. It's difficult. I mean, especially exercise, since we yeah. don't, we no longer have to do that, right? We don't have to do that. It's, it's yes. a weird time we find ourselves in. We're like, yes. we're having a conversation, I believe, across an ocean, which is crazy. Yes. And yeah. like, we can get our food without getting out of bed. And exactly. we can be entertained all day. We don't have to do any of this stuff. We don't have to do any of that stuff. But the good thing is, and this is talking about the third pillar of primal play, the primal play method, is we have the exercise science. So the exercise science tells us how exercise, how movement affects our physiology. So what stimulus do I need to elicit you know, 
increased bone mineral density? What stimulus do I need to start maintaining and building muscle mass and reducing visceral fat around the middle? What intensity do I need to work at to improve my cardiovascular fitness? So, so once you can marry the play psychology with the exercise science, then you can be informed about why this is beneficial. So I'll give you an, a, a very simple example because people always say, well, give us an example. What, do you, you know, what does that mean? An example is when I was, I'll mention this about my brother, okay. two years younger than I, right? We shared the same room. Uh, we played a lot when we were kids. And there was a time where as the older brother, I was like, yeah, I can pick you up. I can piggyback carry you, right? And I can carry you, can run, can like, and, and he couldn't do the same to me, right? He wasn't strong enough. He wasn't old enough. But then I came a point in time when he was just like, <laughs> I'm strong enough now. So at a very young age, six, seven, whatever it was for him, he was able to lift more than his body weight onto his spine and not just lift, he was able to carry me for a significant distance. So if you just look at those two activities, lifting, <laughs> carrying, locomotion, and you transfer that to an adult doing exactly the same thing, right? They piggyback carry, let's say body weight or somebody a little bit smaller than them or, or, or heavier than them. That's a significant amount of mass yeah. that, they're, that they're, they're adding to their body, right? It's in some cases, it's more mass than they would actually be back squatting in the gym. Right. Right. So, so in my groups, I, I've had people in my groups who don't do any weight training, you know, who was concerned about lifting weight, if don't feel strong enough and, but they'll be happy to piggyback carry. And when you explain to them, if you went to the gym, you might be given just a barbell, you know, 15 kilos barbell to put on your back to like, you know, just do back, just do air squats, you know, just so you can get used to the movement, you know, injuries, we're really concerned about that, but they can have somebody who weighs like, you know, 150 pounds, <laughs> jump onto their back and with a smile on their face, they can carry these individuals. So no, but it's very strange, yeah. Daryl, because yeah. as I'm picturing it, I can, yeah. I can back squat my weight. That's yes. fine, but it's heavy. And it like, yes. and I have to like really make sure my feet are in the right position and that my breath is held and that my hip is underneath, you know, like there's a lot to do. And if I picture one of my friends jumping on my back to give me a piggyback ride, I'm not doing any of that. And I'm not apprehensive that I'm going to hurt myself either. Yes, exactly. That's, I mean, that's the point because, you know, one, one, I think there's muscle memory. So many of us can remember piggybacking someone as a kid right i think most of us have had that experience it's a universal <laughs> movement pattern and secondly it's because your brain is switching off from working out you know feet placement got to keep my heels on the ground got to make sure i've got a neutral spine got to make sure i'm looking in the right place like there are all these rules and regulations which are really important if you're performing that activity to be able to deliver perfect form however most of humanity what, what everything we see everything in nature is imperfect right <laughs> every cycle we see every every form that we see there is nothing which is perfect 
However, in exercise, we do gravitate towards this like idea of perfection, but most movement is not perfect. No, most the, movement it, is imbalanced. I have to say something yeah. to that too. The scariest yeah. thing for me in my real life is my wife asking me to move something. And it's so weird because in the gym, I pick up heavy things all day, yes. really yes. heavy, much heavier than anything my wife, but I've hurt myself a number of times where she's like, can you move this chair to the other room or take it upstairs yes. or something? And I'm like, yeah, sure. That's much lighter than stuff I'm doing in the gym. And somehow I'll tweak my back or yes. hurt a hamstring or hurt my bicep or whatever it is. And I'm, and I'm often like, how am I a big, strong guy? But I'm like hurting myself doing really like not heavy stuff, like yes. light stuff around my house. Yeah, um, that's a fantastic point. We, we have so many parallels because another eureka moment for me was I was I was doing a lot of deadlifting, barbell deadlifts, and you know I got I got to one times body weight, I got to two times body weight, I got to two and a half times body weight, but that that was the goal that I was that I was set. So I was lifting like I, I think you know I, I went well over 500 pounds to give right. you an idea right yeah. and so i was like seriously seriously heavy lifting and and i remember thinking my back is so strong i've always had a weak back now i'm strong now i'm strong now i'm strong and i remember once you know ben reaching down reaching down to pick something up back went <laughs> yeah like, right? like something that's five pounds can throw my back out but yeah. i can easily deadlift a lot yeah it's crazy it's crazy yeah uh tying a shoelace i remember yeah. tying my shoelace once really quickly i went, I went down to, oh back's gone oh my goodness oh my goodness right <laughs> i realized again it took me a long time to realize i saw lots of specialists and they told me they gave me all these reasons as to why you know tight hamstring strings do some more stretches you know i realized what the problem was if you think about any exercise you do, what we want from that exercise is a physical stressor. We want adaptation based on that demand. And then we want the ability to repeat that action. And sometimes if possible, we want to increase that demand, I increase that load. So we get stronger in doing so. The downside is you kind of get stronger doing that movement pattern. So this strictness of form for particular exercises, like the deadlift, like a back squat, which are functional movement patterns, but they're straight up and down. And as humans, even if we, even if I sit down and stand straight up, I still have some rotation. I still have some lateral movement. I'm not an Android. <laughs> it's impossible for me to perfectly go from sitting position to standing or from a top of a squat to a bottom or from a top of a deadlift down to the floor. It's impossible for me to perfectly go in one plane of motion. Yeah. We're three dimensional creatures. And for me, realizing that these movement patterns that we, we were evolved under, the conditions we were involved under meant if I was picking up something from the ground, it'd be very unlikely I would just go straight down, you know, pick up this object, stand straight up, walk in a straight line <laughs> to wherever I needed to and set it back down. I'd be lopsided. Yeah. You know, you do whatever you could to manipulate that object. So I stopped doing maximal deadlifts 
and I started doing lots more rotational work and lateral work. And I, I changed my back squat position, like body weight squats to like all types of different squat mo movement patterns. Then my back became stronger. So I, I went from somebody who had, let's say two to three episodes a year of chronic back pain, started exercising, then got maybe one every 12 to 18 months when I was really strong to now pretty much never having those episodes of low back pain. Oh, wow. And, and, and it's, and it's just a, that adaptation. So, so the adaptation for me saying my back doesn't just do this, my back also twists and rotates. And for many people, they have this back twinge when they're adding some rotation to their spine and their spine going, you never ever do this. Right. This is not what we <laughs> you know do. What, I mean? what are you like, doing? Yeah, this is what crazy. are you doing? Moving yeah. like this. Yeah, moving like this. What the what the heck are you doing? And and that's why we get those muscle spasms and we 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 have these kind of our body basically trying to protect us, going, Oh no, don't do that again. I want you to stay in this <laughs> stay in this position for a few days. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I realize that not only are we in this sedentary world where we've outsourced physical activity, right? It's outsourced to our cars, our like public transport, the lifts that we, we can use rather than taking the stairs. There's, there's, a, there's an option available to us for movement that we can decide, do we, do we move or not? But there's another problem, which is even when we decide to partake in movement or exercise for most of us, we stick to these very rigid, we either use equipment. So again, you know, imagine you're doing a shoulder press in the gym and you decide to use a machine, you know, it makes it safer. It's, it's, I can sit down, it's more comfortable. And then you're pressing up this weight and it's like just in a straight line. And you, you keep on doing that and your arms are in the same position, your wrists are in the same position, you're adding more weight and you go, oh, wow, my shoulders are getting stronger. I started with 20 pounds, now 40, now 60, now 80. My shoulders are strong. You go out at the weekend, you throw a ball around. Oh, you know, shoulders gone, dislocated. Dude, soreness. I, 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 th I threw, I like tweaked my upper bicep tendon just having a race with my kid in the pool, in the pool, swimming, mm -hmm. tweaked my upper bicep tendon where I just like, she was like, okay, let's race. I said, great. This is going to be fun. Ready, set, yeah. go. And I just threw my arm over and it didn't it didn't tear or anything, but like I've mm. been in pain for four months because of this one thing that was no excess weight at all, you yeah. know? Yeah. 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 No, it, it's, you know, the, the, I, I often term movement as medicine. I coined that term many years ago because I, because I believe it is, Yeah. but, but I also look at movement as, you know, the, the word diet, for example, uh, comes from the word dieter, which I think was Greek. And, and dieter means lifestyle, right? It isn't just nutrition. And so if you think about what we're doing as in terms of improving our lifestyle and exercise being one part of that, think about nutrition. Many people would advocate the broadest, uh, you know, food options will improve your likelihood of nutrition nutritional density right don't just eat one thing eat lots of different stuff get your proteins get your carbs get your healthy fats 
you know, have some variety, improve your microbiome, boom, boom, you know, but you know, there's all of that big picture stuff, right? With exercise, it's just down to have you done your cardio? Do do some do some weights every now and again. Um, don't really like cardio, I'm just gonna stick to my weights. Don't really like weights, I'm gonna stick to my cardio. Oh, you know what? Don't want to do endurance, I'm gonna do some hit. Oh no, hit's not good for me because my joints, I'm just gonna do cardio, you know, just gonna get on the bike. Actually, biking is not enough. I want to run as well and swim. So yeah, I'm really fit. I can bike, swim, run. I can do that for 15 miles. I'm I'm amazing. But there's all these deficiencies yeah. that occur in terms of fitness. So so we know really well, you know, we can diagnose somebody and say, oh yeah, you're deficient in vitamin D. You know, you're not you don't have enough iron in your diet. <laughs> but we almost need to do the same for people with movement. Yeah. And so, so you know, with my clients, I can say to them, you know what, you're moving in the sagittal plane too much. So sagittal plane is basically like up and down, forward, forwards, back. You know, you're you're moving like, like a like an, an android, right? You need some more variety. Well, what do you mean? Okay, you want some rotation, you want some side to side movement, you want to add that to your movement diet, right? You're running all the time. You know what? You need to do some resistance training because that's going to help you run. Really? Yeah, because you're going to have stronger legs, you're going to have stronger tendons, you're less likely to get injured, you can improve your core stability, you can have faster finishes. Right. So you're almost saying to people, improve your movement diet by adding in those characteristics, which are you're neglecting. And we have to see movement in that way, because otherwise people will move. They'll do certain aspects of movement like, yeah, I'm in the gym, I'm deadlifting, I'm getting strong. And then they'll tweak They'll tweak something. Like you say, you, you, you pick up your daughter, you're playing with her. And it's like, oh, my back's gone. And she's like, hold on a second. I thought dad was strong. <laughs> he's like, you know, like he can't get out of bed because he's in pain. So, so you know, um, another story I have to add to that is I remember once going to, to visit an old girlfriend's partner, an old girlfriend's father on a farm. And I remember thinking, oh, yeah, you know, I'm feeling good about helping, helping out. Yeah, yeah. And he said to me, you know, you're a city boy. He went, he went, we have lots of people like you coming to the farm, looking good, looking in shape, right? <laughs> Lifting stuff in the gym. It's different out here in the country. And I remember thinking, <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm really strong. And this guy, much older than me, you know, and I was like, I did everything to dig in. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to dig in. I'm going to dig in. I was absolutely, I was ruined. 15, yeah. 20 minutes, <laughs> I was ruined. And again, that was another valuable lesson to me. And he, at the end of it, he was just like, you're gym strong. It's you know totally I mean? different. Yeah, it really yeah, is totally, totally different. totally different. You're gym strong. I'm functionally strong. I can do all the things that I, I've taught my body over many, many years. Again, I didn't just take that, you know, I didn't um, regret the decision of going all in. Because it made me realize that whatever I was doing, I was neglecting a significant part of my movement diet. I did go back. I went back a few years later <laughs> and I was there. I was there with him the whole day. Oh, wow. You know what I mean, I was like, and again, it was good proof yeah. of the pudding. Like, 
yeah, now I'm doing more functional movement. Well, it, I mean, it, you know. it's it's also very interesting what you're saying, because like I've had a number of evolutions and, and it mostly was just not um, knowing how to get to where I wanted to get and then not even really knowing where I wanted to get, just knowing I wasn't happy where I was. So I went mm. into I had a cardio phase where it was cardio all day, every day, no resistance training. That wasn't great. Then I had a CrossFit phase, which I got injured a couple of different yeah. ways and I just couldn't exercise. And I was like, well, that's not good for me. Yeah. And then it was a strictly weightlifting. And, you know, now I've recently started going because I, I, I have had a couple, not injuries, but a couple of little instances where I went like that thing shouldn't have hurt me. Right. And mm. it did. Mm. And, and I not, I wouldn't call it an injury, but it was painful and kind of like altered the way I worked out for a little while. Yes. Um, and so I've started to go to like yoga, just looking for um, more flexibility and more mobility. And I hate it. Mm. I <laughs> hate it. So like the thing that you're saying that's most interesting to me is like this very useful uh form of exercise that's also fun that doesn't like because i'll go to yoga twice a week but it is a yeah. fight you know what i mean like yes. i'm looking for reasons to get out of it and i'm taking yes. reasons to get out of it and so i'm really going half the time that i should be going anyway yeah I, i'm interested in what you're talking about and, and i can't wait to look at your book and and go on your website simply because if there is a way to get some of this which i want i want I want that ability to have a race with my kid in the pool and not, you know, uh, be unable to do a pec deck because my upper bicep tendon is inflamed. Um, yeah. Yeah. That shouldn't months. happen. I mean, right. again, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and if it's not a chore that that's, that's icing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You've, and you know, in some respects in, in the book, animal moves and, and on my website, I, I, I discuss this process of, in some respects, some of this of this journey is individual. It's personalized, right? You you have to define what is fun for you, but but we also have, again, because of our history, human history. Many of the things that that kids play, the games they they play, it's universal. You know, like if if you if you if there were some kids born that had never seen any outside influence ever, they were definitely playing tag. You know, chasing games, climbing trees, throwing games, crawling games, jumping, carrying. They would do all of these moving patterns, right? And other kids would be able to see those kids and go, yeah, we play most of those games. Right. And 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 that's what I feel is is missing from many of us as adults is that we're we're hemmed in to a very refined and again similar to kind of dietary terms, you know, many of us have a refined movement diet. Right. It's like whereas we want we want a whole kind of I don't want to say grains, but we want like a whole movement uh diet, yeah. right? Where it's like it's not good enough just to eat avocados and expect everything to be fine or just to eat, you know, lamb's liver and it's all good. Like, no, you need to eat lots of different foods and we need to do lots of different moving patterns. And there is a way to do that 
which is fun and engaging it and it doesn't mean it's not challenging sure it doesn't mean it's not comfortable because because again looking at children playing and even that it's bizarre because oftentimes if somebody said to me oh yeah what's it like watching kids play without really thinking about it just being superficial i'd say yeah they're just always having fun laughing you know it's just like but actually most of the time they're serious you know they're deep in thought it's hard you know it's hard work yeah but they they they're so enthusiastic about achieving that you know imagine you you're being sprinted down somebody's sprinting after you to try and tag you right you're going 100% effort yeah. you only stop either because you want to be tagged so you can <laughs> you can start chasing or because you can't run anymore yeah so that isn't that's 100% effort the difference is they're probably laughing whilst they're doing it or they're going, I don't want to get caught. You know, like there's almost like a morbid fear at that time. Whereas for us for adults, we just go, it's pain. It's uncomfortable. Why am I doing this? And that's kind of the difference in mindset and mentality. I would love to say in my book, Animal Moves, it's all so easy. Right. Like rolling down the hill and blowing up balloons and popping them, you know, it, but it's not like that. Some yeah. of the some of the movement patterns are really difficult and challenging, but I try to sprinkle some play dust to make people go, hey, here's a way that you can make this more appetizing. Here's how you can make this process more fun. So I don't want to do burpees all day as my only way to like do HIIT training. I don't want to do yoga. I'm going to tell you straight. I can't even, I can't oh, stretch boy. for a second. It's not fun. Not interesting. Yeah. No. But I do want to move with flexibility, with mobility, with youthfulness, right? With power, with grace, with strength, with good endurance. I want stamina. I want all of those things. But there's ways of getting it which don't don't have to be like, you know, you don't have to be filled with dread. Yeah. You know, and the last point to make on this is if I go back to my childhood self, because when I started this journey, I, I, I used to say to myself, oh, I wish I was, you know, I wish I was 10 years old again. Why, Daryl? Because do you remember how much energy you had? Oh, do you remember man. how you could play all day? Do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember? And I'm, and I'm like, hold on a second. Can you imagine a lion, an adult lion going, hey, I wish I was a cub again, you know, because I was so strong and had so much energy and so much speed and like, no, the adult line would be going, I wouldn't want to go back to that because now I'm the most powerful, strong, fast, explosive, amazing creature when it comes to movement. And humans are probably the only creatures that have that discussion. Oh, do you remember when I was a right. preteen or when I was 14 years old? Before my prime, I was the strongest, fittest, most healthiest individual I ever was. Like, why are we... Why is that our baseline? You know, why, why is it our benchmark? Yeah. So again, realizing that later in life, but I'm now in my, I'm now in my fifties and there's some things that I can do now. I couldn't do in my twenties and thirties. And that's, that's the reality. And it doesn't mean I'll be able to maintain that forever, <laughs> but I'm, I'm still trying to push myself as if there's no ceiling as if I, yeah. I also, I just know that if if I'm if I go back into sedentariness, then w the future gets really dark, really quick. Yes. So like very quick. I'm a grandfather. 
I want to be, you know, by the time my mm -hmm. grandchild is running around, I want to be running around with her and not like injured and sitting on the sidelines. Yes. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a beautiful point. You know, why it's investing in your future. Yeah. Making these decisions, whatever may come your way, right? It's not, it's not going to make us bulletproof, invincible, but certainly what it, what it does do, it, it's, it's, it's like an insurance policy and, yeah. and, but it's insurance policy you're drawing on all of the time. That's the way I like to see it. So, so if nothing happens, you still benefit because yeah. you're in a much better position. If something does happen, you're in a much better position. So if you've got to take meds, you probably need to take less meds, right? If you're suffering with a condition, you're going to be having less side effects, having less symptoms in relation to, the, to, to that. If you have an injury, you're more likely to recover sooner. So, so it, it, it's, it's one of the best things we can do for our health, mental, physical, emotional, and, and it's just a shame that most of the messaging we see around fitness are, you know, no pain, no gain. You know, my warm up is your, is your workout. Like it, <laughs> it, it, it's lots of posturing. It's lots of, lots of, lots of aesthetics again. So people don't feel as if they can, they feel welcome. You know, many people don't go to the gym only because of the people within the gym. Yeah. That's it. You know? I had, I had to, yeah, I had healthy. to lose 150 pounds before I'd go into the gym. And even then I didn't feel comfortable and, and would work out with a trainer. And, and now I'm in the gym every day. And I would only say like, if you're overweight, I love, please come to the gym. You know what yes. I mean? Like that's, please. that's your spot. Please do. And, and for those in the gym, make those people feel welcome. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Help them out. Like, don't, you know, don't make them feel as if they don't belong. And, and unfortunately, and I hold my hands up, I used to be one of those people who'd be like, beginners right. coming into my space, right. not knowing what they're doing, using my weights, you know, like, and, and it's unfortunate because now I realize being more inclusive, making fitness more accessible, giving people more options for them to move their bodies, it benefits us all because- yeah. Even if you think it's just about me, me, me. Well, for me, it's like, no, it's not. It's about my kids. It's about my family. It's about those I love and care about. And so I want everyone to be able to share in this experience of being able to move more and to have more fun and to realize that they have, that everyone can be a superhero, right? Everyone can be as fast as they possibly can. Everyone can get stronger no matter what their position. They can get stronger than what they are now you know, if they're living a sedentary existence, right? If they're physically inactive, everything you do is going to be of, of benefit and you can build on that. You can yeah. take baby steps. So I, I'm, I feel privileged and honored to be able to, to share this message uh, and to realize I don't want to cater to the elites. I don't want to sing to those, you know, who already understand this, <laughs> the people who will go to the gym and do the work my flock, so to speak, are those who are like, I would love to, I don't know how, I don't know what to do. Yeah. I'm not sure if this is, this would count as exercise um, or not. And so I'm having some of my clients, they're achieving fantastic things through movement. Yeah, You know, they, they feel strong. They feel as if they have energy to do things that they couldn't previously. They, they feel more confident about their future in terms of longevity. 
and it, it's it's a wonderful industry to be in to to be able to offer that. I I love it. I think it's a great message. I'm excited to do it too. Uh, uh, just to your small details or big surfaces, tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms point of i'm not sure if this is considered exercise i like when i was looking at where's the majority of uh, expended energy is not in exercise but throughout the rest yes. of the day i yes. literally started doing you know talking with my hands more and and yes. tapping my feet more just going like that's gonna help burn calories so like yes. I, you know it all counts any any yes. kind of movement is better than not movement Yes, no, no, totally. That's correct. And there is an expression called NEAT. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, which is non-exercise activity thermodynamics. So basically the, the movement you do when you're not exercising, when you're at rest, is usually the majority of your, your daily metabolic expenditure, energy expenditure. So if you fidget, if you're a person who, and I do that quite a bit, it's actually beneficial for you. But there's a downside to that. I've got, I've got to speak on the downside. Okay. The downside to that is, for most of us, if we just rely on NEAT alone, yeah. when many of us are consuming you know, energy-dense, like high-calorie foods, uh, and feel as if, oh, well, I potter around all day, I'm, I'm good, most of us have to do so much more on top of that. And it's not, so much, it's not about the time you spend. It, it, it's about the type of activities you participate in. So NEAT is fantastic. But within that NEAT, make sure you're interspersing that with lots of activity. Because yeah. the sedentary time, the sedentary time is, is the real danger, the blocks of sedentary time. So somebody, um, just to, to quote one study, so there's a study done on three t- types of groups of those studying uh dealing with prediabetes, right? Um, and wanting to manage their blood sugars. 
So they had one group who basically office jobs all day and just did their normal tasks, you know, walking back and to and from the toilet, that sort of thing, right? Going to lunch. Um, the second group did 30 to 60 minutes of cardio at the end of the day. So of course, that group had significant reductions in their blood sugar levels, you know, some of them coming off their meds, some of them, you know, no longer pre-diabetic just because of that one hour a day of movement. The third group did three blocks of exercise, one in the morning, uh, one midday, one after lunch or late afternoon, right? They did 15 seconds of stair sprints, okay? And the amazing thing about that- 15 seconds, three times a day? 15 seconds total. Total. No, no, so 45 seconds total. Okay. Three three times 15 seconds. Okay. Times three. Yeah. Sprinting, stair sprints, right? Flat out. So it's not like, yeah, I went for a little jog. It's like 100% effort, right? Until I couldn't run anymore, sprint anymore. That third group actually had the most significant- health benefits, reduction in, in risk of developing type 2 diabetes, Oh wow! improving their risk of coming off their meds. So just those 15 seconds blocks of activity made the most difference. So, so it's incredible uh, uh, how little time we need as long as the intensity is, is, is high enough. And there were, a lot, there were lots of research papers on, on the benefits of this really ultra high intensity, maximal effort work, relatively short duration, having all of these uh, remarkable benefits to our, to our physiology. So, yeah. So if there's any one takeaway from today, apart from making sure you have more fun with movements, the second is break up that sedentary time as much as possible throughout the day. Right. You know, take more regular walks, like, you know, get more water. So you've got to go to the water fountain more frequently. If you're, if you're meeting, having meetings with your colleagues, you know, make sure instead of sending them instant messages, go over to their desk, go to the toilet two floors up from where you normally sit. These these things make a significant difference over and above just like fidgeting. Yeah. Amazing. Daryl, thank you so much. You're welcome. It's been a fantastic podcast. Thanks so much for your time. It's been a, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. And now for the Q&A. Here's a question from Matthew. Hi, Matthew. He says, I have been listening to you since the start and have to say that your advice, thoughts, and guests have greatly helped me overcome many negative self-thoughts and demons. Thanks, Matthew. He says, however, I have many left to conquer. I, like you, have struggled with weight my entire life along with a very negative self-image of my body. I've come a long way since then and have grown so much, but I still struggle with my self-image every day. Much like you, I won't take my shirt off at the beach or even in front of my beautiful wife. I don't want her to be embarrassed. I don't know why I'm still like this at 43. I'm an accomplished war veteran with over four combat deployments, as well as a 15-year veteran police officer, decorated several times for that. But I struggle with the poor self-confidence. How did you overcome this or keep it at bay? Yeah. Um, thank you for this question. I don't think I overcame it. I think, though, that um, if you can manage to do one thing that makes you uncomfortable, like if you think of like whatever the thing that, that 
gives you the most anxiety or like would make you the most uncomfortable is like, don't even, I wouldn't even think about that because for me, that would have been something that I would have just put off doing forever. If I was like, I want to figure out how to do that. So I would just start with much smaller things and I would go like, um, you know, is there something that makes me terrifically uncomfortable that I think I could still do? And what would that be like? And then I, I did it and it was not as bad as I imagined it would be. And then I can kind of built from there and, and did more and more uncomfortable things. And there, there are times when I'm feeling uh, more confident and I'm like, nothing could make me feel uncomfortable or, you know, I have self-confidence to defeat everything. And then that's not like permanently true. That's like fleeting. And I'll catch a glimpse of myself in a reflection on a, a mirror or walking by a store that's got reflective windows. And I'll go like, oh, that guy can't be confident. And it's all kind of ruined for a while. Um, but I, I feel you. Um, my self-confidence was basically debilitating as a kid. And, and it's not quite debilitating now. I'm still uncomfortable socially, but, um, but I'm managing much better. Yeah. Interesting that you say, um, you know, to sort of build on something, right? Like almost like start small and build on it. Is that what you mean? Like to do, yeah, do something that you like, just kind of get the guts up to do one thing that you feel. Um, yeah. And I also think like, it could be interesting to take, um, what you do as a, uh, law enforcement, like for me, knocking on a stranger's door, feels like, you know, as bad as taking my shirt off at a beach. Like I, I could never go knock on a stranger's door, but I imagine as a police person, you've had to do that a number of times. And so however you did that. So there's, there's also this aspect where you could like look at stuff you have done and put that in contrast with stuff that you could posit that would make somebody terrifically uncomfortable, you know, foiling a crime. Um, might make a lot of people terribly uncomfortable and yet that was your job and so you did that and so i would i would kind of maybe try to build your confidence psychologically through that kind of uh exercise of compare and contrast and then pick something that you don't typically do because it makes you uncomfortable and figure out some way in and i promise you once you get it done unless it's a disaster and then you're like <laughs> Forget it. It was so bad. I'm never, I don't, you know, I was right. I don't need to do it. But I suspect that once you get through it, you can go like, it wasn't as bad as I'd imagined it would be. And it's not going to be as bad next time, even as it was this time. Yeah, I, I can say, I know this question is not to me, but I just want to say that what you're saying, Ethan, I think is very true because uh, I just recently experienced this for myself. I would never, ever, 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 ever wear a bathing suit without shorts or a wrap or a something like never, ever from childhood or maybe, yeah, like adolescence or something. And I just decided on a vacation with my husband, um, you know, a few months ago, I was just going to spend this one day at the beach with him, no shorts, you know, whatever, and just wore my bathing suit. And it was so hard, <laughs> but I did it. And then I went on a birthday trip with a bunch of friends and like 
did that for four days and it was crazy because there were boys there, you know, just like all the little things that were in my mind. But I just built on that one day and I did it for four more days. And I can say, wow, now as an adult, I've gone five days without shorts on (laughs) over my bathing suit. And it was kind of like that, you know what I mean? But then it wasn't so bad the next, you know, day three, day four. So it just takes a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Paige had no shorts on. I had my shirt off the entire trip because I was on one of these trips, not with her and her husband. Her husband (laughs) was there when everybody was there, but you get what I'm saying. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) And everybody was just kind of like, you know, existing and it wasn't so bad. And then the young, like super hot surfer dude showed up and all the girls went goggly eyed and me and the rest of the guys kind of slunk back to the background because like who wants to have their shirts off around those kind of dudes. Well, not quite, but (laughs) yeah. Well, I uh, really glad that he asked us that question. Please let us know how it goes. You can always write in and tell us, you know, if you had some success with that or anything that you've figured out that helped you. And for anyone else out there who might have a question for Ethan, you can always email it to us at AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee. You can follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely.